Hey, I'm Nick. And I'm Greg. And he's old. And I'm young. But we're both cute. You're listening to a new episode of the Mangina Dialogues. Ready, Daddy. <laughs> Uneducated, unfiltered, unhinged. This is the Mangina Dialogues. We at it again. With your host, Nick Scopes. And the Gregolicious. You know how we do, cause you know we keeping it gangster and silly. Unplugged like a fool swung titty. About get kitty, cause you know we down to the nitty and the gritty. And we make shit sound so damn pretty. Yeah, cause this unhinged comedy. And right now you're in the mix. So get ready, cause we about to get it poppin'. We ain't stopping. I'm educated, unfiltered, unhinged. Hello, and welcome to the Mangina Dialogues. I am one of your host, hosts, Nick Scopes. And I'm the other hosts, Cowboy Greg Alperin. <laughs> you are a cowboy. And today, our guest is not a comedian, but a very talented musician. Um... He's got beautiful eyes. He just became a dad. Guys, give it up for Josh Abbott, everybody. <laughs> Cheers, everybody. I'll, uh, I'll try to be as funny as I can, but uh, yeah, I'm Don't definitely, worry about uh, it. I'm not the usual uh, interview you guys are used to, I guess. It's all good. No, we've had musicians on, Greg, right? Before? Yeah, we had on um, a bunch. Yeah, we've had a whole bunch. We had on Kyle remember. from String Cheese Incident, Greg from Pigeons Playing uh, Ping Pong, uh, Brian from Spafford, Harley... Uh, Flanagan from the Cro-Mags. We've had a bunch, and they're all great interviews. That's awesome. Yeah, some of our best ones, probably. So, um, so Josh, what's going on, my man? You're down in Texas, Austin. Yeah. Specific. How are things going uh, down there? Uh, you know, it's kind of uh, up and down here, just like it is everywhere, apparently. Everybody's – are we allowed to cuss on this Go thing? Oh, okay, yeah. cool. I, I thought so, but I just, you know, wanted to clarify it. You know, everybody's <laughs> fucking freaking out down here about COVID. And, you know, I mean, yeah, it, it's it's a crazy time. So, especially in a city like Austin, you know, when you think Texas, you think like, oh, hardcore, red, fuck COVID, we're not wearing masks, that kind of thing, because that's what the media puts out there. But, you know, in Austin, it's, it's pretty liberal. So, anywhere you go, yeah. they're pretty hardcore about – you know, restrictions and stuff. And so, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's just as crazy here as wherever you are. Yeah. What, what's the music scene like in, in Austin now with, with all currently I'd say it's on life support. Right. I mean, seriously, uh, there's venues yeah. that have closed left and right. Um, I know Austin has always labeled itself the live music capital of the world, but yeah. I think a lot of us in the music industry that live here probably would argue that I, I think, uh, the city needs to do a lot more if they want to return to uh, the ability to like proudly boast that title. Right. Like what? Just curious. I was just, I was in Austin last year and, mm -hmm. you know, as um, obviously a huge music fan and, you know, I love this and barbecue fan. I like loved the city and really loved everything about the music element there. And, you know, yeah, you're totally right. Everyone does bill, bill Austin as, you know, like the music capital these days. Um why do you think it's it's not? Just curious. Well, first of all, these venues closing left and right. And I understand everyone's like, well, you know, some things are more important to health. Okay, mm -hmm. sure. 
if you've got to tell venues they can't have concerts, then that's okay. But you need to subsidize them. You need sure. to be able to be like, here's how we're going to pay your your lease and do all the things that we need to do on our end. If we're asking you to be responsible as a business, we're going to be responsible to make sure that you're not just screwed. Like, I don't know why everybody thinks that small businesses have to become, you know, the martyrs or the scapegoats or whatever the proper term is for all of this COVID stuff, because yeah, there's a sacrifice to be made, but it doesn't mean it should, it should leverage people in their lives, yeah. you know? And I mean, yes, yeah, some music venues are owned by national corporates, but a lot of the best music venues in the country, especially here in Austin are independently owned. And I think that the, I think that the local government could do a better job of protecting those people and saying, if you're closed, here's some cash. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, obviously we, we feel the same way, you know, being in the comedy business that the same thing is happening with the comedy clubs that, you know, they're not allowed to open. Right. But there's yeah. nothing anyone is doing for them. So, you it's, know, yeah, same exact thing, man. Yeah. And that's a shame. So I think we have to have, the, uh, we have to protect the arts because the arts at the end of the day, um, you know, that is the, the, the cultural backbone of, of what a country is, whatever your art scene is in your history of that, that's kind of, it shapes who you are as a people. And yeah. so all of these theaters across the country that are, that aren't open, I really hope that local city and state governments will do a good job of shielding them from the financial impact. Right. So nothing's like, so like there's nothing, there's no live music happening in Austin at all. It, a little here and there. And, you know, we played one show here in Austin. Now, believe it or not, just because we live in Austin, I, I don't just play Austin all the time. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's kind of a misconception. Um, but um, we have played one show here this fall, and it was kind of a socially distanced. It was outdoors. Uh, you know, it's a venue we've played a lot of times before outdoor, and it holds 4,000 people. Uh, we were able to, to do two shows back-to-back. -back. We sold 600 tickets for each show. So in a venue, you know, and where we're used to seeing thousands, we had 600 and we had to do two shows in a row just to even get the numbers right. So I'm not complaining, you know, but it is, uh, it's, it's just a different world and I'm ready to, to hopefully move forward. Yeah. Hopefully next summer, spring, will, it'll be much different. Yeah. Well, I feel like all of your fans want to hear funny shit right now and they don't want to hear about drama <laughs> and serious shit. So all of you, I'm sorry. That's it. That's all the, that's all the sad shit. The rest of it'll be good. Fun, all right. Whatever. All so, right. Now we're going to talk about our dicks. All right. So <laughs> yeah. Greg, you go first. <laughs> no, but like, it, you're right, dude. It, it, we do the, the smaller, they need, we need support. I mean, the, the comedy clubs in New York, there's so many inconsistencies, and I don't want to go on a rant right now, but there's so many inconsistencies with what the government is putting restrictions on and, like, what you're allowed to do, and it goes state by state. Like, you know, I use New York City as an example. Like, obviously, New York, the layout, everyone's on top of each other. It got hit very, very hard. There's millions of people there. But the comedy clubs, they're not allowed to have anyone in their – you know, clubs at all. But when the gyms reopened in New York city, which I'm all for, cause I work at a gym here in Connecticut. Uh, I was going to say, you, you probably work out a lot. Yeah, I try. Um, but the, you know, I work at a gym here in Connecticut. When we opened in Connecticut, we had no facilities, so no showers, but in New York city, they open up the gyms and they are allowed to have showers. And I was like, all right, so what you're saying is you can share a shower with someone <laughs> 
a public shower yeah. at a gym, but you cannot have people indoors at a show at reduced capacity. Is that what you're telling me? And it's like, it's because we're, my fucking mind. And I, and I think that's probably everybody's main complaint with all of this stuff is that it's just so arbitrary. It's kind of fucking silly, right? Like mm-hmm. we can, uh, you know, we can have football games, you know, and, and, and tons of people at those things in different states, but we can't allow people to visit their dying, you know, grandma in the nursing home. I mean, we're just, just, it's just all arbitrary. And I wish, I think everybody wishes there was just one set of rules is the way we're going to go about it. But yeah, here we are. Been nice uh, six months ago. So let's talk about <laughs> something else. Um, yeah. Please, I, you know, in, in we re- might even have to just delete this person. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, everyone that, you know, we talk to, they're entertainers, right? And we, you know, we talk yeah. to, we talk to those people and the people that listen to us want to hear what the entertainers have to say. And it's all very relevant. And the more people hear the message, the more they can reach out to their local congressman or whomever it might be to say, hey, help these guys out. Like, don't forget them. It's not just about restaurants or hot or I mean, hospitals and people like that. It's this is an important part of any community. The arts, like just like you said, like you can't have a community without the arts community. You just can't. So everyone that hears that message that does something about it, it, it's a benefit to everybody, but equally beneficial to everyone. I want to know how, when you got married a couple of years ago, yeah. you and your wife decided on barbecue as your food for your guests, because that sounds like <laughs> the best fucking wedding I could ever go to and be happy <laughs> to attend like a wedding in, was it in Austin? It, it was downtown. Okay. So in downtown Austin, with awesome. I'm sure amazing music and your musician friends, I'm sure all come came and hang out, and you had probably one of the world's greatest uh, wedding bands with we did. barbecue food from one of the greatest barbecue food cities in the world. Like yeah, just well, just so the wedding that came just, up, and I'm watering. The reason that came about is because uh, we wanted the wedding to be super personal and be a reflection of kind of who we are. Uh, instead of trying to get all fancy and doing crab cakes and, you know, all sorts of bullshit, we were like, I'm a 5% owner of this barbecue company that's, we have four locations, actually one of them closed because of COVID, so we have three now, but um, we just thought, man, what a cool way to represent who we are is to use, utilize that, so we hired my barbecue company um that i'm again i'm only a five percent owner so i'm not like uh, i don't have much in it but it's fun and we had them come down with the food truck and they uh cooked uh down the street and and brought it all in and everybody just uh got some good brisket and sausage and ribs and everything for at our wedding and i just think uh i mean it's kind of wide trashy but it's kind of also cool yeah it's 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 amazing I, i gotta tell you i had um a party for one of my kids a few years ago and you know he, you know the bar mitzvah so it's like the jewish birthday party right the sweet 16 nonsense so you know we're used to going to these really ridiculous elaborate parties that people throw that are just like weddings and i am so anti that i'm like i'm not doing that there's no way i'm going to take part in that i don't want that for my kids it's such a stupid like waste of money i'm like let's have a party at the beach and hire a food truck right? Which is exactly what we did. We had a food truck that made kick-ass steak sandwiches and hot dogs and all kinds of patty melts and stuff. And 
every single person that came to this party came up to me and said, this was the best food we've had at any one of these kind of affairs in years. Right. I think people appreciate that. It's like, I don't, you know, I'd much rather go hang out at a killer wedding with great music and eat a, eat, you know, ribs than have to put on a suit and tie and get all fancied up and have to eat some dried out filet, you know, that was made six hours ago. Truthful. Seriously. Mm -hmm. People don't think about that stuff. So what, what's your specialty? Like what's the restaurant specialty Uh, known for? You know, good questions. Um, What's the name of the restaurant? Say it. Like what's the name of it? Uh, it's called Max Barbecue. It's in a little town called Brady, which actually is the center of Texas, the heart of it. Yep. And then uh, out in Midland. And then we um, have one in Fredericksburg, um, which is kind of a pretty de- – it's like a destination little city that a lot of people here in Texas will vacation to during the week or weekends. Yep. So, anyway, yeah, uh, I, our chopped barbecue sandwich is freaking awesome. Wow. Um, the banana pudding is – I mean, I put it, I'll compete with anyone in the country on that. And, uh, and we have a lot of good sides cause a lot of them are spicy. So we've got yep. this spicy corn and, uh, we got a, uh, spicy kind of a Mac and cheese. So anyway, Jesus. All right. I'm done. I'm leaving. I'm coming down. I was going to say, let's wrap <laughs> this up. I'm hungry. <laughs> I, I know. And if I could get you some and it was like served fresh and awesome, I'd do that. I don't know how to get that to you. <laughs> That's all right. I want to come to Austin. That's my, I was supposed to go this past year, but I want to next year. I want to come to Austin. Uh, I haven't been right now. Flights are cheap as shit. So I might as well, I got a buddy down there too. So come on. Yeah. Austin's a great, great town. Um, so what, um, with your new album, right? So huh? how, I mean, imagine when you put that album out, you didn't expect to be putting it out in the middle of a, of a pandemic, obviously. Yeah. Um, we recorded that in 2019. Our original goal was to put the album out in late spring, early summer of 2020. Um, obviously, all of this kind of went down before we even announced. So we just kind of sat back on it and we just kept waiting and waiting and waiting. And I finally just told management I was tired of waiting because, you know, I don't know how long this shit's going to go on, but I do know everybody's sitting around streaming and things like that were hitting all time highs. And so, I was like, we need to put this record out. And I know it's a weird year, but, um, you know, we put it out now and we'll let fans listen to it for the next six months and then we'll get back to touring and hopefully it'll show in our live show, you know, how many people know the the songs, which it's a lot, you know, it's interesting because I've I've talked to some comedians before about how, you know, when we put a record out now, when we go to, you know, we'll sing those same damn songs for however many years uh, when comedians put out, you know, an album or a special, then if they just repeat those jokes, uh, they get shit on. That's yeah. kind of a weird, that's an interesting world y'all live in. Yeah, it, it's funny. It, it really is. That's and, true. That's and, very funny. I never thought about that. That's for, true. for years, you know, it, it really is true. Because if once someone puts out a special, it's like they don't, they can't really do the majority of that material to shows anymore because your fans know it, they see it. It's like going to see a cover band almost. Right. Yeah. And for like one of the things I would love to do is line up a bunch of like comedians or any singer, whoever that wants to take a stab at doing comedy and do like a comedy cover show, right. Where everyone does someone else's material. 
kind of like a Vegas show, right? You go every hotel you go to, you sit in the lobby at some point or the lobby bar and there's a great cover band playing, you know, everything from Madonna to ZZ Top, right? And maybe you just have to draw the name. Yeah. You know, and, and then if you if you draw Bill Cosby, you're like, "Fuck!" Uh, I'm not sure how this is gonna age. <laughs> then you have to put a lid on everyone's drinks, make sure no one gets drugged. That would be good. So, with like, what's be, what's been the reaction from the fans? But you know, on the new record, uh, I, pretty pretty positive. I mean, honestly, I we knew going into it. I feel like as an organization, band, all of us involved that it was probably our best sounding record we've put out. Um, it just, that's a reflection of a lot of different things. You know, the studio we recorded in, us just getting better at what we do continually and it's showing each time that we make an album. So um, we knew we made a good product, uh, but we put it out there and there's definitely two or three songs that have just been already at this point um, have been really uh, fans have responded really well to so we'll keep cranking those out and um, you know I think we're going to try to go to national radio with one of them uh, in the new year and we'll see what happens man you know it's uh, it's a marathon it's not a sprint so yeah. that's just how we keep approaching it yeah definitely dude I'd say you guys I'd say you guys are doing pretty well I'm looking at your Spotify you got 750,000 monthly listeners <laughs> so that's pretty that's good it. I think uh yeah it's very good you got a you got a couple you got two songs with 24 million spins and one song with 33 million spins so yeah, yeah those numbers are high that's that's very sure. good man that's that's awesome by the yeah, way. I appreciate it. I, you know i always tr- i really try to not focus on those in fact um we since we released our new album I haven't even looked at the spotify numbers on it because i don't want to put myself in a position where I'm trying to quantitate success yeah. because you know you look like you, see, you said earlier how big's your dick you know your dick's bigger than some dicks and it's a lot smaller than some dicks and Amen. that's kind of how that's kind of how these numbers are on Spotify like I could be like oh yeah look at me I'm so cool we've got 750,000 or this and that but then go, you know go look at a lot of other different artists and they've probably got 10 times, 20 times that number. So I think anytime you start getting into that area where you're like only measuring success by certain numbers, um, I think as an artist and even as a comedian who has an art, I think you start to put yourself in a, in a zone where you, you, you could potentially let yourself down. I think at the end of the day, you just have to be proud of the product you're putting out and appreciative of the feedback you're getting and keep driving. Yeah. How, how do you think your songwriting's changed over the 10 years since your first album came out? Uh, well, I don't suck anymore. So that's pretty good. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, cause, but, well, you say that, I'll tell you, I, I asked that and it's funny you, you, you say that because I, whenever I either interview um, or talk to someone that's had, you know, a decent length career, I'll always go back and listen to their first record. And then I will listen to the, the new record. And depending Our on first when, record sucks. Well, it, it's it's funny. I didn't listen. I listened to it, and I didn't think it sucked. I really don't. But it is interesting to listen to people's early stuff and later stuff, depending on what that time frame is, to kind of see 
like the balance. So it is interesting to hear you say that you think that that record sucks from, because from a guy that listened to music, I didn't listen to it and think that it sucks when certainly I could look, put on dozens of other people's records that were early and be like, yeah, that record sucks. <laughs> well, you know, it's like, we, what's the expression? I mean, it was in the Malcolm Gladwell book, um, the tipping point, or was it in outliers? Anyway, it was, it was, uh, you know, where it takes 10,000 hours to get good at something to right. get great at something, right? And I don't know how true that specific number is, but you get the point, right? Like you've got to really put in a lot of time and effort into doing something and then eventually you will be great at it, right? I, I feel like I'm at a point now where I'm a pretty solid songwriter. Um, in, in hindsight, I think in my early years, in my 20s, um, I didn't have the life experiences. I didn't have the, ex, you know, the, the writing experience and the wisdom and the maturity to, um, to write songs that I would be proud of down the road. Um, you know, a lot of the songs I wrote early on were pretty reflective of my experiences as a college student and as a guy in my 20s. And, and um, you know, you, that's all you can write about really is what you know. Yeah. But I definitely think I'm better as a songwriter now. And I think that you probably would you would probably say that you're a better podcast host now than you were before sure. and every comedian you talk to probably thinks they're way better now than they used to be oh yeah i mean th this actually transitions perfectly into what i wanted to ask you but so you're talking about writing your early 20s and you know you're a single guy in college so um you know a lot of my buddies i've been fortunate enough i grew up with a bunch of guys we all been friends we were like 14 and now they're, you know, we're 32, they're married, they're dads. Yeah. They, it's, it's funny because they have little girls too. So my friends that are like these masculine men are like, just <laughs> do whatever yeah. this little person says. And you see how things have changed. Like we have, you know, parties or holiday parties and now there's little kids running around. I'm like, shit, this is really different than a few years ago. Kind of a buzzkill, but it's kind of fun. It's fun. It is. Yeah. I, I get where you're going. But my question would be is, so how does that change the way you write or even the way like, you, you know, you, you think about what you're putting out into the world. Now that you're a dad, you're married, just, you're a 20 year old dude, almost nothing matters. <laughs> you're just well, like, yeah, yeah. whatever. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Yeah, you're right. Because the, one of the very first songs we put out, in fact, I think it was the first song we put out and it's what took off. We were all still in college. We recorded it, we put it out and it blew up because it's, it's a song called taste and it's about oral sex. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's That's about going great. Out on a girl, right? <laughs> I would never write that song now <laughs> I, because, you know, first of all, I'm married. So what is oral sex? We don't even <laughs> either way. What is it either way? Right. Right. No, but uh, seriously, though, it, you know, I'm, I just I have kids and I wouldn't want to write a song like that, that one day she'll listen to and go <laughs> gross, you know, but but I know one day my daughter is going to be like, did you seriously write that song and put it out? And I'm going to have to be like, yeah, you know, <laughs> um, and uh, Eddie Murphy, you know, his stand-up comedy early on, especially. Oh, dude, I know where you're going to go. the raunchiest stuff yeah. ever. And if you noticed, he, he really took a, a dramatic 90 degree, I don't know, whatever. He took a turn. And now everything he does is kind of more clean, right? He went through a whole phase of family-friendly movies and all sorts of stuff. Well, Why? Because he had kids. Yeah. And it completely changed 
the content he wanted to be a part of and what he wanted to put out. So I think it's kind of the same for me. Um, you know, it definitely changes what you can write about. Uh, I write about, the, you know, my daughter and my wife and now my son. And I don't know how to write a sad song right now. And I don't want to. I, I really hope I don't have to write another sad song in the rest of my life because uh, that just is a reflection of a hardship. And I have, feel like I've gone through enough. And um, so I'm, 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 I'm hoping for blue, sky, blue skies from here on out. And I'll just write happy, cheesy love songs about my family. And, and I'll be fine with that. <laughs> so what, um, with your band, have you been with the same guys the, the entire time? Or is, there, is it a changed lineup? Like, ha how do you put the band together? Like, who are the guys? And, uh, yeah. So pretty much, man. I mean, you know, there's changes. Things happen. People go through different seasons of life. So uh, when I put the band together just for fun in college, it was me and three fraternity brothers. Um, two of them about a year and a half later when we all were graduating and I decided to do this full time, they decided to get real jobs. One of the guys stuck with me and he's still with me. He's our banjo player, Austin. Um, and then, uh, we met, um, the fiddle player and the drummer and, um, they, uh, the drummer is still with me and the fiddle player just quit, uh, or he, I don't want to say quit. He, he left earlier this year. Uh, to kind of pursue some other things. I don't know if he'll tour with another band or if he'll get a real job, but I think he just needed a break from doing this because we'd been, he'd been in the band for 12 years. I think he just hit a point where you want to try something new. Right. Um, our guitarist has been with us since 2010. Uh, so 10 years going on 11 now. And um, our keys player has been with us since 2015. So, uh, you know, five, six years now. So, I mean, I feel like we've had a lot of continuity, but, there is a little bit of, um, you know, fluidity and you just have to keep rolling with the punches. Um, you just have to understand guys, uh, you know, they're just going to go through different phases of life. And sometimes it's, it, they, it, the timing's right for them to be a part of a band that tours and sometimes it's not. Yeah, for sure. Dude. I, I was just thinking you were talking about Eddie Murphy and how it's changed. And I just, I forgot this popped in my head. So if you look at his, Two specials in the 80s. 1983 was Delirious, and then 1987, I think, was Raw. Right. On the album, the first, the first track is the F word, but in reference to gay men, right? Yeah. That's literally, I'm just going to say, faggots, okay? It says that. Uh, that's his number one. That's what he opens with. <laughs> and then yeah. if you look at the 1987 album, it says, faggots revisited it's i'm not kidding look at it, didn't it. age well it, no but like eddie murphy got underneath like <laughs> that's what he opened with in the 80s and they're like oh eddie murphy's the best they're like no one <laughs> pays attention. Yeah, i mean I, i'll be honest i mean but yeah, that word never really bothered me i guess until i kind of became more socially aware of you know maybe people's feelings and you know, they may not appreciate being called that word. I mean, yeah. I think uh, cult society just has clearly changed. And, sure. um, you know, uh, there's just a lot of people who don't appreciate those words. And you got to be careful about them. Mm. I'm, I'm really glad that I haven't put that, that word in a song. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's going to be helpful for me. You know, I may not. <laughs> I may not be able to get by the uh, the oral the, sex one, the oral sex, but at least I didn't say anything homophobic or racist in any of our songs. Because how many of those exist in time? I mean, oh, man. one of the most 
one of the coolest Christmas songs you can listen to is, uh, are you familiar with the band called the Pogues? Yeah, sure. So they've got that, uh, Christmas, uh, song. It's like, what is it? And the, and the Christmas bells are ringing out like new year's day or something like that. And she calls him a faggot in that song. Same with dire straits, the dire straits yeah. money for nothing. Yeah. You know, whatever that lyric was, um, the so, little faggot with the earring and the makeup. I mean, yeah. I, I hope this conversation doesn't get taken out of context by somebody. <laughs> I'm not sure how we landed here, but um, it's Eddie but Murphy's yeah, fault, man. It's Eddie, Eddie Murphy. Murphy. Comedy Eddie for sure. Comedy kind of sometimes risks not aging as well as music, sure. right? Because oh, comedy is all about context. Yeah. And uh, if you don't understand context, then you can't understand the jokes, right? Like Chris yeah. Rock, I think about um, his stand-up comedy. I don't remember which one it was, but the one where he's um, talking about Michael Jackson right. in court, right? Looking like Captain Crunch and <laughs> Janet with her titty out and all that. It's like, that one, that's, that's hilarious to us because we get it. But like, yeah. I don't know how that age is down the line when people are like, what was he in court for? Yeah. I don't get it. You know, <laughs> you know any anyone look at you know Richard Pryor. Now look at Dave Chappelle. Like, it's you know it is unfortunate that there's so much of this cancel culture bullshit out there. Yeah. Um, you know because the guys, those people take risks, right? Like right. it's an act. Like what I what I, what really pisses me off beyond like truly gets under my skin is people have a hard time separating act from reality, right? You're going to see someone in a theater, whether it's a musician, a a comedian, whatever, and they're performing for you, right? They're not coming out to your car telling you whatever it is you're offended by to you personally. So like, it's no different than an actor playing a role in a movie who's saying things that you find disgusting. You don't take it out on them personally because they're playing a role in a movie. But if a musician goes on stage and says something or has a lyric in a song that you find offensive or a comedian says something that you find offensive. It's completely taken a different way. And it, it just, you know, bothers me about the whole, like someone trying to take someone down in their livelihood for what amounts to just arts and culture in the same way theater is. Yeah. I mean, you definitely wonder what, uh, what the future, how it will look back on uh, acts like Daniel Tosh, you know, <laughs> because, <laughs> Guys like Kim, you know, they push the envelope on purpose and, sure. uh, it, it, you know, it, it barely skates by now. So I don't know how that happens. Uh, I don't know how that looks down the road. Yeah. Even, even Chappelle got in trouble for his, uh, like he's been making like, like talking about like transgender community and stuff like that. And like, they hate him, but it wasn't even like that wild of a joke that he made. It's just, and also it's like, it's an act. He's just like, like, and his latest special, he does this whole bit about how the LGBTQ community, how each letter and like, and they, and he gives like a person to it and they're all in a car together. And <laughs> oh my it's like, God. It's like, very, like so funny and well done. And it's, it's just, it's great. But like people that get mad at that, it's like, no, he's just like, he's a performer. He's one of the best of all time too. Yeah. It's the funniest thing ever. Yeah, I you know actually I would I would argue that comedy when it makes when it pokes fun at things and makes fun of things it actually humanizes those things for sure. people who might not uh, have a certain viewpoint of those things and I think uh, 
I don't think it's necessarily always, you know, there's obviously a gray line. There's a, there's, there's a line there you can't really cross, but um, you know, if your intent is just to make people smile and laugh and feel good, then, then you can make jokes about things that might be a hair uncomfortable because right. maybe that helps us uh, get through those things, those hard times or accept other people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly, I didn't even know, like, and I've said this before, but like, I was so used to, I grew up with my dad and my dad was such a well-liked guy in his community he has a million friends, but like him and his friends would go back and forth with each other a lot and say, we grew up in New York. My father's Italian. It's like very brutal, like make fun of each other, all different races and everything. No, oh, one ever, yeah. No one ever got mad or like was upset. Like people love still to this day, my people love my dad and he makes the weirdest, most inappropriate jokes and gets away with it at all times. Cause they know his intent is not to be mean or, you know what I mean? Like, and they also know it. that he, he was in the mafia and you don't, <laughs> you're not going to be like, Hey man, I take offense to that. Uh, if my dad was in the mafia, he was the worst earner ever. And he would have been kicked out. Okay. Or the best. Yeah. Or, or he's, or he's gonna, when he dies, we're going to find like a couple hundred grand, like a ceiling tile or something. He's going to be telling you, Nick, Nikki, Nikki, in the old house four houses ago, you got to go dig up the entire backyard with a backhoe because there's a lot of cash there. I forgot about it. It's for you. <laughs> I'd be like, why'd you live like a poor person then while you were alive? What the hell were you doing, bro? <laughs> so, but Josh, what like I mean, you've been on tour for a long time. So, like, what what are some of the you like your favorite bands to tour with, or people that you you know you've gone on tour with that you really admire and love watching them play every night? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, especially for what I do, people that are unfamiliar with it is <clears throat> we're not just a country band, but our genre is a little more specific. It's Texas country, and while we have flirted with the mainstream country world and had singles out, you know, we live in Texas and a lot of what we do is that. And there's a whole world of Texas music that exists. That's a lot different than maybe like the national country music scene, perhaps guys like you are used to. So, um, you know, guys that I've toured with are the people that I listened to when I was in college and they're, you know, guys I've come up with in the scene. And now they're some of my closest friends, you know, I mean, uh, I've, I could name a ton of names uh, down here in Texas of guys that I tour with that we're just all good buddies now, you know, and um, Casey Donahue and Randy Rogers, Aaron Watson, Wade Bowe and William Clark Green, Pat, Pat Green. But if you're looking for big, big names, um, we opened for Miranda Lambert a handful of times and we've also opened for Stapleton, um, wow a lot of, you know, we've opened for a lot of really cool names. And uh, I tell people all the time, Luke Bryan is one of the coolest dudes I've hung out with. Right. You know, I mean, he gets some shit for his music, but like that dude's favorite things is drinking beer, hunting deer and gambling blackjack. And that's like <laughs> my kind of guy. So, um, <laughs> you know, he's, he's pretty cool, pretty cool guy to hang with. Um, I think uh, to answer your question, though, who who am I just blown away by? I, you know, I'd say Miranda or Stapleton. Uh, right. I think they just they have a they they command a room when they walk in, and and there's a, there's just a different level of talent when they're singing on stage. Right. They can do a full band with nine people behind them, or they can grab a stool and a guitar and leave ten thousand people quiet. Yeah, she I, she has a incredible an incredible voice. She's 
really something else. And my, my father, and bring up my dad again, my dad was a musician most of his life, played the drums, as did I when I was a kid. And my father, you know, I'll be honest, doesn't listen, probably has never listened to country music ever. He was a big like earth, wind and fire, like funk music, 70s, whatever guy. But later on, when all these country singers started emerging, like Carrie Underwood, Miranda Lambert, he's like, these women are some of the best singers that I've heard in any genre. Yeah. And he's like, so it doesn't even matter. Like they, like you said, the genres, whatever, they transcend it in a way because they're just, they're just talented. They're just good. There's nothing to do with country or not country. My dad would watch the country music awards now, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because he's like, these women are incredible. They could sing. They're phenomenal. And I was like, all right, things change. But yeah, I see your point. Another name uh, of a guy uh, that's been super cool to me in our career, we've opened for him. The whole thing is Dirk Bentley. It's probably a name you know. Um, One of the bigger names in country music. Uh, (laughs) He came to Austin actually like a year ago and uh, we were texting and was like, you know, Hey man, y'all want to come out? I'm like, I'm here. Yeah, for sure. So we went to his concert and the best part of this was like, Two months prior to this, I forgot that our banjo player, my fraternity brother, he had texted me and been like, hey, man, do you think uh, you can help me get some Dirks Bentley tickets? And I was like, dude, I don't know. I don't really want to reach out like that. You know, I'm, I, I'll let you know if I can get you some. And I forgot. Well, then I wasn't planning on going, but then Dirks and I were talking and I was like, cool, man, I'd love to come up. And so we so I take my wife to this concert and he's uh, – he, we're talking backstage and his tour manager he's like hey do you want to sing a song with me i, I was like sure so like halfway in the show he's up there singing my banjo player said he's out there you know just with his date you know th- and he's got nosebleed seats you know he's way out the back and and all of a sudden you know he hears i'd like y'all to welcome my good friend josh abbott and he was like this mother <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, That's- he's, he's in that nosebleed seat. Like, he was, was like, like, "Really? Wait, what, like, what all this fame's gone to Josh's head. <laughs> Fuck that guy." <laughs> out. You should have called out. I'm singing this song to my my banjo player, who's up in section 367 in row 43. Yeah, he's here. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Oh my God. Anyway, dude, this was awesome. Love really fun talking to you. Um, obviously everyone should go out and get your, what's the name of your new record? It's called the highway kind, the highway kind. Um, definitely check that out. I've, I ran through most of it. It's really good. I, you know, I went back and listened, like I said, to the first one to, to kind of see the differences and you're super talented, man. Like you and your whole band really talented. I want to go find that taste song. That's what uh, I want to do. <laughs> make it as open. Yeah. Nick's gonna I'm not proud of that song. <laughs> I wrote it when I was in college and I wrote it for a very specific girl and reason and uh and you know years later, you know, it haunts me now. So <laughs> well, listen, but whenever you wind up finding your way to the New York City area, you're gonna Nick's Nick's gonna pressure you to play that song live and uh bring him up on stage and you can sing it to him. Yeah. I, I would really uh, not. I don't know if I would do that, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he does work out. He's got some nice muscles. Thanks. Um, appreciate it. Ne- hey, next time we're up there, which I'm going to guess is like 2022 based on how this world is going, but 
I would love to follow up with you guys and have you come out, man. Thanks oh, for yes, having dude. us. Oh, we're definitely, uh, absolutely going to do that. Um, so where can people find you besides the new record? What's your, do you have any social handles that you want to plug? Yeah, I mean, I wish I didn't. I really fucking hate social media, to be honest. But um, at Josh Abbott Band is all of our, you know, I think you can find us everywhere on that stuff. I, uh, um, I, that's a whole different conversation. I mean, social media is great on a personal level to keep up with, like, the news or to keep up with your friends from high school and college. But, good God, it can be a beatdown. Sure can. Yeah, it's sure a can. lot. It's a lot. I understand why kids today have all fucking bad anxiety and shit like that. I couldn't imagine having this much access to your friends in high school, middle school. It's just too much. Yeah, it's, it's too much. It it's is too, too much. much. Um, well, uh, and it will put up all the places to find you and not find you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll put links to the record and, and all the new stuff. Um, really, again, want to say thanks a lot uh, for taking the time to chat with us and hang out after we hit stop. Um, we'll talk for a sec, but uh, really, thanks a lot. It was awesome. Yeah, man, hey, Nick, I got to thank you for the amazing birthday gift this year. Um, best gift I got all year from our new sponsor, Manscaped. You hooked me up with the Lawnmower 3.0. That's right, baby. I called ahead to make sure it worked on gray hairs as well as regular hairs. So, um, yeah, you're all good. You're, you're good to go, man. Can't wait to see that pruned tree of yours. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's pruned. And I got to tell you, the other thing that's great about it is it's not just for using downstairs. I used it on my face right after I used it downstairs. But got to tell you, it's for the money that I didn't spend, you did. It, it really gives you the best and safest shave anywhere you want to use it. Yeah, it makes sense, man. Your downstairs looks just like your upstairs. So It does because I have a boyish, um, how do you say, glisten to myself. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds horrifying, but I'm glad that thing works. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0. I have it as well. And as a hairy Sicilian gorilla, I need that big time. It's, uh, it's honestly one of my favorite tools. Like, not even kidding. One of my favorite things I use. I have all my friends using it as well. And they thought I was just trying to sell them something just because they're our sponsor. But they love it as well. Well, for all of our listeners, if you use our code MANGINA20 at manscaped.com, you will get 20% off your first order and free shipping. That's MANGINA20 at manscaped.com. <laughs>